The truth is that every brand and every company has untapped growth potential. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I cannot wait to share the genius of today's guest with you, nicknamed Miss Question by her business school classmates. Leslie Zane's endless intellectual curiosity fueled her search for the elusive key to changing customer behavior. Working in brand management for blue chip companies, she found success to be remarkably hit or miss. So she struck out on her own and founded Triggers, a brand consultancy that helps companies create consistent success. Over the past 25 years, the company has developed a track record of accelerating growth through its unique expertise in changing instinctive brand purchase. Leslie received a BA from Yale University and her MBA from Harvard Business School. A TEDx speaker, she's been published in the Harvard Business Review, Knowledge at Wharton, MIT Sloan Review, Forbes, AdAge, CMO.com, Barron's, and more. Leslie, there's so much more in your bio I could read, but we're just going to jump into it because I'm too excited to start. Welcome to the Daily Helping Podcast. It is awesome to have you on the show. And it is awesome to be here. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be your guest. Absolutely. So I I just kind of want to jump in. So tell me a little bit more about the Miss Question stuff. How did all that begin? (laughs) Well, I don't know if you know what uh, the seating arrangement is at Harvard Business School, but there's 90 people per section in an amphitheater, you know, semicircular style. Um, where the rows go up and up and up and up. And it's extremely intimidating to ask a question in that forum. Um, But I always had one. And I figured, listen, I'm paying for this education. I might as well actually (laughs) learn. And when I wasn't certain about something, I raised my hand. And people couldn't believe that I had the nerve to ask (laughs) the professor sometimes one question, a follow-up question, a third question. And invariably, several classmates would come up to me afterwards saying, there she goes, Miss Question. Um, but thank you so much for, for asking that because I didn't have the guts to ask it myself. That's so funny. So the, the gratitude, because you were the one who, who had the courage to ask what was on other people's minds, but nobody would speak up. That's exactly right. That's Outstanding. So let's let's talk about the work that you do because it's interesting. And one of the things that I didn't talk about, because there's just so much in your bio that we could get into, but as you're talking about changing customers' behavior and brand preferences, I know that your work heavily involves the subconscious understanding of bias and how that comes into play. So that's such a unique niche. How did you get into that? 
I think it really was that I was working in brand management for top companies like Procter and Gamble, uh, Johnson and Johnson in my early years as an assistant associate brand manager. And I, I learned a ton, you know, don't get me wrong. I really did get, learn a lot from those top companies, but I always felt that we could be doing better. Like, you know, the old story, like half of the marketing you do works and half doesn't work, but you don't know which half. I mean, it really is true uh, that success is very hit or miss when it comes to marketing initiatives. And I felt that there was a better way. And I also felt it had something to do with people's gut, um, with the consumer gut, with consumer instincts, Um, because I saw us doing a lot of superlative claims and, um, you know, being very persuasive and trying to incentivize purchase with coupons. And and I, I could just see that it wasn't having a lasting benefit. So I developed this hypothesis that something more was going on beneath the surface. And in 1995, when I left the corporate world to start my own company, it was with the express intent of creating an approach, a process that would drive consistent growth every single time, not just be a random, a, a random event when your creative had a brainstorm in, in the shower. You know, and it's interesting because you're saying hit and miss and people are going with their gut. So we don't really, as human beings, think a lot about what our gut tells us. It's an instinctual thing. We feel a certain way and we go with what we feel. So I'm always interested as a scientist at the actual research behind this. So talk to us a little bit about the difference between subconscious marketing and then regular good old-fashioned conscious marketing because I'm interested in hearing about how those differences play out. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about the conscious mind, you are awake. You are uh, aware of what's coming at you. And the conscious brain processes information very slowly uh, at only 40 bits per second. In contrast, the subconscious mind, uh, which is located in our older brain, the reptilian complex, processes information at 40 million bits per second. And it you're not aware that that's even happening. And so the difference between the two is that the conscious mind, which is conscious of your marketing to it, selling selling to you, et cetera, is sort of resistant and skeptical and pushes you away. It sees you coming, it knows it's being sold to, and it says, you know, somebody's trying to persuade me. And it, and, it, and it really does, you know, it's very resistant and rigid and it's hard to change people's minds that way. But that is actually where the lion's share of marketing efforts exist today. But the science says that only 5% of decision-making is done by our conscious mind and the, the lion's share, 95% is made on instinct. And you know that because you go to the supermarket and let's say you're at the orange juice counter, the orange juice section, you just reach. You reach for the same brand that you buy every single time. And you're not conscious of doing that. And so as it turns out, the subconscious mind is actually where brand associations form in the first place and they accumulate over time. And it creates a, a habit in your mind to go for that brand over and over and over again on autopilot. 
So I'm saying rather than market to the conscious mind, let's actually understand how to influence the subconscious mind because that's where instincts form. And you're going to have a much easier time influencing that than you are going through the conscious mind. You could probably have a lot of fun just talking about the grocery store. I, I read an article once that, and, and I can't unsee it now that I've seen it, all the cereal makers will have the character on the box with their eyes slanting downward because the children are below, because they're short, below the actual aisle. So the kids are looking up, Captain Crunch is looking down, their eyes meet and they gaze into each other and and sales happen. So I, I know that that plays a lot into it. And so knowing this, knowing that we're, we have the data that suggests that 95% of decisions are made at a subconscious level, but most of our marketing takes place at a conscious level. Why do you think that that is so? You would think that there would be more people focused on this. Yes, you would think so. (laughs) I think that's a great point. Honestly, I think that we are still operating in the world of madmen. If you think about when traditional marketing principles were born, it was really during the Mad Men era, and we didn't have brain science back then. And so you have every university and marketing textbooks, and you have Trout and Rees with their, their famous book in 1981, um, Positioning a Battle, the Battle for the Mind. Every single book and source and training manual in every company still actually is a derivative of those rules. And while some, of, some things have changed, of course, like digital and you know uh, programmatic advertising and all of the the new things that have happened in the last 5 to 10 years the rules behind marketing have not changed we've all been we've all been raised on them and trained on them uh big companies ad agencies everybody promotes those same set of rules and operates under them and so we're talking about changing an entire industry to get people to say, hey, wait a minute, we actually now have some real facts about how this works. We have brain science. Don't we need a new rule book? And, and that's really what I, I don't know, I feel like I've kind of been put on this planet to, to play the role of a sort of crusader or champion to help people understand why this is so important. Because honestly, it's, it's not just a theory. It's, it's actually, it works. And it'll help your business grow faster, more easily, and actually with less resources. So it's really important. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go.
that is that is important, especially now with so many small business owners struggling because of the current coronavirus outbreak. So I, I want to go down that road a little bit more if we could. So if one's a small business, and that's often the challenge that entrepreneurs speak of, is they they simply don't have the budget for marketing. Talk to us about you said it, it actually requires fewer resources to to market this. So let's let's go down the rabbit hole a little bit and talk about how we would go mm-hmm. about marketing to our customers at a subconscious level. Absolutely. So first of all, there are a ton of examples of small companies that have been disruptors that have been able to unseat really large companies, giants in their fields um, by doing just this kind of thing. And one of my favorite examples to use is Dollar Shave Club uh, because that brand kind of came out of nowhere and it did not spend a lot of money on advertising. It developed a a viral video, a a video that went viral that was uh, done by the CEO of the company. And what he did in that video was just very simply was, you know, put up on YouTube. He shot it from sort of his warehouse instead of fancy offices. And he made the case that he made is that all you really need is a high quality razor. And if you think about all the other brands out there, they have a, a hammer on them and an air conditioner on them and a fan and all these other razors are basically over-engineered. And you're paying for that. You're paying a lot more than you than you should be. Uh, all you really need is what your grandfather used, a, you know, a simple high quality razor. And that's what we that's what we sell here. And he did it in a humorous way. And he had a lot of what we call triggers, cues and codes that operate at a subconscious level, uh, connecting you with him as this struggling entrepreneur, connecting you with his workers that were shown in the warehouse. And you didn't see fancy offices and you didn't see big company slick slick advertising. You saw something that was very human and made a really good argument. And um, he used one of our favorite tricks at Triggers, which is he gave a lot of positive associations to his brand and simultaneously gave a lot of negative associations to the giant, you know, razor behemoths. And he did that simultaneous. And that is one of the key success factors to accelerating growth fast. Give lots of positive associations to you, give lots of negative associations to your competitor. And and basically there's two simple rules for growing brands, which everybody should know. One is your brand has to have the largest physical footprint in the brain. And so I don't mean figurative share of mind. I mean actual physical share of mind where the uh, what we call the brand connectome, which is the network of associations uh, that get connected to a brand, where that brand connectome branches out and spans more territory, takes up more real estate in the brain. So that's the first rule, that the larger the footprint your brand has, the better. And then the second thing is that you want to have more positive than negative associations. The ratio of positive to negative is going to, it needs to be higher. Uh, So in that situation with Dollar Shave Club and Gillette, they gave a lot of positive associations to themselves. They gave a lot of negative associations to their competition, the giant razor companies, and they were able to make tremendous inroads in share literally overnight. Hearing this, 
I, I can't help but wonder what if somebody's listening to this and said, you know, I really, I really don't want to badmouth anybody. Is this something I can still do? Yeah, he actually did not mention one company in his video, the CEO of Dollar Shave Club. He just talked about conceptually the notion that you don't really need an over-engineered razor. I see. And if you're not willing to do that, then you really shouldn't. Right, no, no, that makes sense. You know, you have to be able to say why your brand is better um, than the other, and you also need to have a philosophy. And he has a very strong philosophy, which is you don't really need this big fancy thing, you know, with all these gadgets on it. You just need a very simple razor. Uh, And so he also had a point of view. And that's another good thing to do um, when you're building a brand. You also spoke of these subconscious cues and codes that he interwove throughout that video to connect with the viewer. Talk to us a little bit about how you go about establishing some of those. Yeah. So a lot of people think, and this comes back to the old rules of marketing, that the most important thing in building your brand or your company or business is to stand out, to be unique, to be differentiated. And that is only partially true. The the truth is that our brains are hardwired to recognize the familiar first. So the way we actually stop at a product is not because it stands out and it's, you know, glaring at us and shouting and and looking like it came from Mars, but rather that there's something familiar that our brain recognizes that draws us to it. A great example is the bottled water category. You recognize a snow-capped mountain you know what that snow-capped mountain means. It's in your memory that, a, oh, snow-capped mountain, I know what that is. And when I think of snow-capped mountain, I think of purity, pristine, uh, eco-friendly, natural, cold, fresh, uh, from the mountains. All of that is really positive. So it's an incredibly positive, what we call a positive trigger. And it actually creates engagement. So it's not, it's, that it's different, that it's drawing us to it. It's that it is something we actually recognize. So the first rule for building a large you know, footprint in the mind is actually to connect with things that already exist, to piggyback on ideas and images and codes and cues and themes and all different types of um, things, memories that are in people's subconscious, connect with those because that means your, your brand is going to be more relevant and it's actually going to um, spread and branch out in the brain more, more quickly. I love this because it makes so much intuitive sense and yet it runs so counterculture to everything that, that we've ever heard about marketing. So, all right. So I'm a small business, say in 2020, COVID is here. And I suppose that's a separate question, but how do I implement some of these things if, I, if I'm an entrepreneur or small business? Well, I think the first thing to recognize is that marketing is not just uh, a brand name and a logo. It's actually a lot more than that. So when I look at the brand connectomes of the big companies that you know that we work with every day, what I see in there are 
hardly like that's not the most important thing. The brand's logo and its name. It's actually all the things that it's connected to. So I, if I were a small company, I would sit down and say to myself, okay, I've got my, well, first of all, you do want to make sure you've got a good brand name and a good, and a good logo and that, that communicates something, not a foreign, you know, based on the conversation we just had, um, that it's really something that connects with people, that's recognizable, that it has some meaning. It's not a foreign, completely foreign thing. You can kind of tell from the name and the logo what it is. But then beyond that, you want a portfolio of what we call distinctive brand assets to go with it. And those distinctive brand assets are things like particular articulations of ideas, particular images, uh, particular symbols um, that all kind of make sense for your business. And I use the word distinctive there because I do want to just qualify one thing. I am not saying that you should look the same or act the same as everybody else. I am not saying that. So when I talk about leveraging the familiar, I'm not saying to become generic. That would be a mistake. What I want to do is I want you to leverage the things that people already know, leverage the familiar, but then do it in your own distinctive way. And so again, another great example back to the bottled water category is the snow-capped mountain is the most, you know, one of the most powerful symbols of purity. And that's why you see it on so many bottled water packages. But you could create your, your mountain, your snow-capped mountain in a distinctive way, in a um, abstract way, in a modern way, like some of the brands do, and make it distinctive to you. Another example would be if you were creating an ad or a video you could uh, you know, show a person drinking uh, on a city street, um, sort of maybe a, a, a pretty you know, grimy, polluted certain city street. And then when they drink your bottle of water, suddenly they're catapulted to the White Mountains, right? And, you know, and if you were able to get really fancy, you know, the, the snow-capped mountain breaks through the, the sidewalk and, you know, uh, and, and, and you're, you know, suspended uh, in, up on the top of the, the mountain peak. But there's all kinds of fun things that you can do to leverage the familiar while making it distinctive to your brand. But that, I think, is really the key here. That's no, that's great advice, and I I did, and I and I decided that it needs to be a separate question because I didn't want that wisdom which you just shared, and I'm so glad you did, to get lost when we're talking about COVID. So, obviously, COVID is here, and hopefully not here to stay, but it's here for a while. And talk to us about your thoughts on that, what impact it's had on marketing, and how companies can adjust their messaging in this time. Yeah. So we've done a lot of work on what we call the COVID connectome, because it turns out there's a connectome for, for everything. And just to make sure that I've defined that, there is a network of associations for everything in your subconscious, um, for brands, for your grandmother, for the president of the United States, for Joe Biden, you know, everything has a connectome and it's cumulative memories connected to that, to that thing. So what, what, happened in uh, COVID 
is that just like brands grow from a little sapling into a full-grown tree, so too COVID grew from a little sapling when we just started hearing about this place called Wuhan and stories were coming of, you know, from China and from different countries. And we weren't really paying attention to it. But over time, the COVID connectome grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And now it is like planted in our brain and it is gigantic. Uh, and it's kind of overtaking a lot of other things in our lives. Um, so it's very prominent. And I think the most important thing for people to recognize is that what you want to do is you actually want to connect your brand to some of the emerging instincts that are happening during COVID. You want to find out what those emerging instincts are. Um, I can tell you what some of them are, but you want to connect your brand to the COVID connectome so that uh, you stay relevant during this time because there are certain instincts that are that are becoming really important to people uh, and are emerging, such as you know more cooking, uh, more cooking at home, um, uh, such as um, doing things for yourself. You know, not calling a repair repairman. You know, trying to figure out how to how to make certain repairs in your house by yourself, uh, do it yourself kind of thing, and building yourself up building up your immunity, those kinds of things. And there, so there's just a lot of different opportunities that emerge. And as horrible and terrible and tragic as this entire period is, and I'm sure everybody you know, who's listening has been impacted in some way or lost somebody that they, that they love and my heart goes out to them. I think from a business standpoint, actually the fascinating thing is that it's, it's, it's actually a time of tremendous opportunity because during times of volatility, people create new relationships with brands um, more often than in other times. And we've seen that over our 25 years of, of work, that when something major happens in people's lives, whether it's an, uh, a first child um, or a divorce or a health scare, those are the times that people create new relationships with brands. And so it really is a time for a small brand to make some inroads in a larger brand, a, a number four brand in a category to become the number two or the, the number one. And really the number one brands, the, the large brands need to watch out because it's also a time that they can lose their footing. It's interesting. I, I've seen some of these existing brands jump into markets that Previously, they would have no business in like Crayola Crayons now has sells a kit of multicolored masks that you can buy for your children. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting. So uh, great advice to be sure. Well, Leslie, I could talk to you forever. This has been absolutely outstanding. As you know, I wrap up my show by asking all of my guests if you could leave us with your biggest helping. That is your single most important piece of information you'd like the audience to walk away with after hearing our conversation today. I think my daily helping uh, for your listeners would be, don't be like everybody else. Don't just go against the conscious mind and try to persuade people and convince them. That's going to take you a very long time to achieve. Instead, go through the subconscious Connect with things that people already believe and already have in their memories and gain the subconscious advantage. That's how you can really uh, make some inroads faster than all of your competition. And if you do that, you're going to see your growth accelerate. Uh, because the truth is that every brand and every company 
has untapped growth potential. I love that. Thank you for sharing that so much. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. It was great. Absolutely fun to speak with you as well. And I also want to thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the show today. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that's what helps other people find the podcast. And most importantly, go out there today, do something nice for somebody, even if you don't know who they are and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 